shout it with everything you got. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord on a Friday night. It feels good. I said it feels good. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for just a few moments before I bring my pastor to preach. Hallelujah. I want to say a great big welcome to all of our guests and all of our visitors. Amen. Let's give them a good ARC welcome. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to see so many of my friends and my wife's friends from across uh, this region and across, amen, some part of the nation. Hallelujah. Uh, it's good to have them. If I start naming names, I'm going to forget, amen, to get somebody, and I apologize for that in advance, so I'm not going to, amen, but I want to say it is so good to see all of the saints of ARC. Hallelujah. This is our first year of pastoring the church here, and it has been a year of transition. It has had its ups and its downs. But I want to tell you, every mountain peak was worth it. Hallelujah. And it just, it just wouldn't be possible without the good saints of Apostolic Revival Center here in Carson City. From my wife and I, we want to say thank you to this church and to all of our department leaders. Amen. Every man, woman, and child that has stood with us this year through the thick and thin. Amen. They have endured uh, the, the, just the clashing of new personalities. And, and uh, you had to get used to us, and we had to get used to all of you. And the transition has been absolutely wonderful. And the love and appreciation that my wife and I have been shown this year, amen, it is, it is beyond words. And we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it is a huge honor to have my pastor and Sister Mayo, my first lady, in service with us here today. Now, he had, we had the privilege of having them preach our New Year's service here this at the beginning of the year. And uh, I couldn't think of anybody other than my pastor that I'd want to preach on this first night. I always thought as a young preacher to all of our young ministers, I always thought it was an honor to get the opportunity to preach for my pastor. But standing on the other side of the fence, it is a bigger honor to have my pastor come preach for us. If we could stand all across the building, there's a lot I could say about my pastor and his wife. But... They are my parents. That's the best compliment I could give them. You know, you, you can't really choose what family you are born into. But when God puts you in a church, he puts you in a church for a reason. When God connects you to a man, it's for a reason and for a purpose. And I'm so thankful for all the years I sat and ate Cheetos at their house. And, and I kept them up late. And I probably put a few of those gray hairs on there. But... Uh, I want to tell you, thank you so much for just enduring, being my pastor, being my father in the gospel. I want you to come and preach whatever you feel. Take as long as you want. How many's ready to hear the word of God? Let's clap our hands on the Lord as the man of God comes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. One more time, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands and give him heartfelt worship and praise. There's an incredible touch of the Holy Ghost here tonight. There is an incredible touch of the Holy Ghost here tonight. There is miracles in this place. Deliverance. All of the possibilities that God brings with him are in this building right now. Amen. Jesus' name. It's an honor to be here. It really is. And it's a delight to see all of you and uh, to feel this incredible spirit that we feel in this house. And uh, if you will continue to walk in this vein and walk behind your pastor, this is unstoppable. Why not? I told my wife on the way to church tonight, I said, 
There's nothing else to do in this city. People get tired of Hollywood. They get tired of fornication. They get tired of drugs. They get tired of, of alcohol. They get tired of all the falsehood and all the fakery of this world. This, this truth stands head and shoulders. There is no competition. And so I commend you. I commend you as a congregation for the spirit of worship and the power of the spirit that I feel here tonight in Jesus' name. And also, I want to say that it's an honor to be with Pastor and Sister Hood, tremendous people of God. And uh, it's great to celebrate their one-year pastoral anniversary here tonight in Jesus' name. It's also good to be with Brother and Sister Villagras from Florida. Tremendous people. And it's also good to be with Pastor Kifla all the way from the Bay Area and Brother Ari, Pastor Ari Prado. It's great to see them. And it's good to have Pastor Aaron Mayo and Sister Mayo here. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 4, I want to say most of all it's great to be with my wife tonight in the presence of God in such a tremendous service as this tonight. And uh, just love being with her whether it's at the mall or it's in church. But it's best to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I'm not really sure that I would call this preaching tonight. I'll let you determine where it would fit in which ministerial slot. But I really do feel like I have a word tonight for this congregation for such a time as this. And 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to read a few verses of Scripture. We're going to begin reading in verse number 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed in Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned in to the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her. Now he's, he's speaking to Gehazi to speak to this woman. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, that was been careful for us with all this care. And what is to be done for thee? What is thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, 
he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Making room for the man of God. Making room for the man of God. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our voices and let's pray with all of our hearts. This notable night in the history of this great growing assembly. Father, I pray for your glory and your power, the Word of God to be quick, sharp, and powerful. Minister every life. Illuminate. Regenerate. Encourage. Give strength. Give direction. Give hope. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uniquely, some of the preeminent historical books of the Old Testament, titled after the prophet and not after the kings. First and Second Samuel, of course, record the first two kings, Saul and David, yet they are titled after, in my opinion, my humble theological opinion, the greatest prophet in the history of the nation of Israel, in my opinion, was Samuel. First and second kings talk about the fall of the office or the position of the kings. And yet, the preeminent People appear to be the prophets in First and Second Kings. And the fact that they are so ubiquitous throughout First and Second Kings, for example, Elisha is mentioned 60 times in First and Second Kings. Elijah is mentioned 51 times in First and Second Kings, which means that the preeminent theological theme beyond the history is judgment. And when you get to 2 Kings for the first several chapters, actually beyond just several chapters, seven, eight, nine chapters, you see the work of the ministry of the prophet is preeminent. It is pronounced. And it has always been God's methodology and his will that he would have a direct relationship with his people. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost that I feel in this building that reaffirms that and proves that. God wants a one-on-one -on -one with his people. And it was the will of God initially in the Old Testament that God would communicate and be communicated through by a priest and a prophet. prophet, of course, would speak from God to the people, and the priest would represent the people before God. It was never, I believe, the will of God that there was a king somewhere in the mix. It was God's will that we would be a royal priesthood even in the Old Testament. The Bible says that we would be a kingdom of priests. But it just didn't unfold that way. But here in this collection of vignettes and stories of the exploits of the prophets is an interesting gem of a story. We've already read how that Shunem, which is a village in Galilee, the prophet is first studied and watched 
and observed by this woman. Now, there are three definable and discernible movements in this, in this message tonight. Like, there will, be, there will be nuances that seem to bridge all of them, but there are three definable, like movements in a symphony. And the very first movement is an observation by this Shunammite woman that recognizes that there is something different about this man. His deportment, his speech, his character, his mannerisms, even the way that he walks. He does not, he does not walk casually and carelessly. He walks with direction. Every footstep has purpose and commitment. There is something observable that this Shunammite woman is able to detect from this, this man that she wants, she wants some type of communication with him. And so the story immediately says that he is invited in for a meal. She wants a closer observation. It's not just enough to have a passing evangelist. It's not just enough to appreciate the good messages. It's not just enough to, to maybe see somebody operate in the altars. But there needs to be some one-on-one. And so, she invites Elijah in. And he sups there. And they recognize that this is a prophet like Samuel, that his words do not fall to the ground. He does not speak carelessly. He's not talking about the entertainment of the Philistines and some of the, some of the things of the world outside the perimeter of God's favor, which is God's people. And his words are yea and amen. And, and he's strong and sturdy in character. He's not... He's not given to frivolity. He's not given to capricious uh, appetites and, and talk about things that do not matter. And what he's doing is, is the Shunammite woman is saying, this, this, this man is, is somebody that I can, I can believe in, somebody that I can follow. And so, after several meals, she talks to her husband, and she says, Honey, um, this is a man of God, and we need a relationship with a man of God. You know, there's, there's, there's some things that you are going to get simply by having a relationship with God. I was talking to your pastor before service tonight. There are some things in, in the human dimension that are designed by God to be unlocked by relationship. And they, they remain unlocked until that relationship. For example, marriage. There are some things that are, that are reserved in the, in, the human, in the human dimension that are never opened up, that are never liberated, that are never accessible. There is a blessing that God never puts on a person because he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth blessing of the Lord. Can we get a hand clap tonight? And so, and so being a husband or a wife already determines a dimension of blessing that was not yet accessible as a single person. And then when children come, to, to move into that God-given office as being a parent. God unlocks other blessings of wisdom and, and sagacity and, and prudence and self-control on another level, being an example to your children. And those all access, don't get too quiet on me. Some of you think, well, he's preaching to me tonight. Listen, if you'll get in line with the Word of God, God's got blessings for you that you've not... We need to move beyond being a new convert and recognize God will take me from faith to faith and victory to victory. Just like there are like rings of a tree, there are definable moments and chapters in our life that engender blessing from God. So it is when we get in relationship with God-given offices, such as the office of a pastor. 
And you can, as I was saying before, you can obtain and unlock many blessings in a prayer life. But the best is when you get in relationship and synchronicity with God's ministry. And you may think, well, I've already exhausted every blessing that God has for me. No, there is a whole new level that you've never even tasted of that God has because it is the principle, the preeminent principle of submission. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Submission is a preeminent principle of the Word of God. And so this woman talks to her husband, and he's old, just like me. And she, she says, honey, I really, we, we really enjoyed having, having the man of God here. Yes. Yes, he's a man of God. And um, I think we could, we could really benefit by having a man of God in our lives. Yes, I think that would be good. What do you think if we, if we build him a little room? I mean, we're, we've already, we're already feeding him, and I'm so glad we're doing that. But what if we actually prepared him with a room that he could stay in? And the husband thought, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. You know, we're, we're over here in a village in Galilee, and he travels around the kingdom, and he's being used of God. And we want him to feel, we don't want, we don't want to just feed you. We, we want you to rest here. We, we, want you to, we want you to pray here. We want you to study here. We, see, the man of God is to be thoroughly furnished. And so they started a little construction project. And you might be thinking like I am. I think, you know, they got a hallway that goes to nowhere, and it'd be, it'd be no big deal. Just kick down that wall and build a little, you know, get a little lean-to out there and get the roof going in a direction away from the house and put some walls in there and put a floor in, and, and we'll have a nice place for him when he comes here. That sounds pretty reasonable. But that's not what is, that is not what is revealed in this Scripture. What is revealed in this Scripture is, is that they put him on the roof they built a special apartment for him that was not on the bottom floor. It was not where the other living spaces were. It was in a place above the commonality of everyday life. It was above the commonality of everyday speech. You see, they had the revelation, we want to be under the man of God. If you start looking at your pastor like you're on the same dimension as him, you've already lost the blessing. The revelation is based on the posture that he is over me. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. That's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. It's in the position. It's in the posture. It wasn't enough to just build him a little house or a little room and, 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 and furnish it. No, 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 no. We want him to, we want him to be closer to God. He, we, want him to be, we want him to be over us. And, and we're not just going to have it over us. We're going to have a bed there. We're going to have a table there. We're going to have a chair there. We're going to put a candlestick there. He can rest there. He can pray there. He can study there. We want him to, we want him to hear from God. We want him to receive from God. We want to hear from God. Let's clap our hands and give him real praise. Praise God. And so they had a revelation. There's nothing in the scripture to even, to even hint that this abode had a second floor. But they created one. Because they had the revelation that the man of God is positionally. The problem with a lot of people in our world is they don't understand the beauty of submission because they view it through carnal eyes. They view it as superiority instead of a God-ordained covering. You see, there's some things that that man will hear from God for you that you're not going to hear from God for yourself. 
Remember I said that you've got to get in relationship to experience being a husband or a wife and being a father or a mother, and there are blessings in heaven that are loaded for those relationships. So it is when you posture yourself under a man of God. It protects you. It provides you. Oh, somebody help me out tonight. It's not control. It's not superiority. It is the will of God. And so, pastor, we've got, we've got five or six pastors here tonight. Maybe some that are sitting here that if they follow the will of God and listen to their pastor may do that someday. Just saying. Whatever it takes to put that man positionally over you is worth it all. Pastors, just let them watch you for a while. Don't demand things right off the bat. I can't imagine Elijah just demanding things right off the bat. Demanding a meal. Demanding a place to sleep. Demanding that you guys start a construction project. Demanding that I have a lofty position on the second floor. Just let them hear. Just let them see. Is this all right? Let's lift our hands and just give God the praise tonight. God always does it right. There are some people that I'm pastoring tonight that has taken me years to convince them that I was worth them letting me be their pastor. And there, at no time did I want to get rid of them. You see, when, you, when, you, when you've got people that, or when you have men in that position that push that, they, they could actually end up mishandling people that otherwise would have been a great strength to them. See, sometimes people are only going to be convinced through a crisis. There was a situation in, in our congregation years ago. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. It's not even in my notes. But I was, there was uh, a family in our church that had been mishandled by leadership previously, and they brought that, that phobia, that woundedness, that, that reserve. They brought that into the relationship in our church, and I never one time wanted to get rid of them. I already understood that these people are going to take time. And there was a crisis that developed in their life. And I walked with them through that crisis. And when we came out on the other side, they looked at me through truly different eyes. And I am their pastor tonight. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And so making room for the man of God, where it is, what's in there, the care. When he's not around, she's up there dusting off tables, and making it clean and making it presentable. Here comes the next movement in our symphony tonight. Gehazi, man, I really appreciate this thoughtfulness in all of Israel. There's not ever another record of anybody that provided this for the man of God. Gehazi, I want you to go um, ask this Shunammite couple what we can do for them. And Gehazi, in chapter number four, he looks great. In chapter number five, he messes up. 
if Elisha was going to do twice as much as Elijah, Gehazi would have done three times as much as the original prophet. But he messed up. He loved possessions more than he did the things of God. I don't want to get off track here, but that's a whole other message. But Gehazi is now the messenger for the man of God. And he, and he goes, he comes downstairs, and he says, there's something that we, we, want, we want to see God move in your life. We want to see God move in your life. Is there anything you can think of? A prayer request, a need, a miracle, something. Maybe a backslidden child coming back. Maybe, maybe a healing from some, some illness, some situation, just name it. She was barren, and her husband was old. Now, whenever the Bible says that, it's saying that on purpose. <laughs> it's saying like, almost like they couldn't have children even if they wanted to because he's old is what I'm getting out of that. But Gehazi brings him upstairs and the woman stands in the doorway. And the man of God prophesies that about this time you're going to be holding on to your baby. That was, that was too far beyond her level of belief and faith. Although they'd had many great conversations and where she had gleaned from this man of God, this was beyond because she, could, she had long since ever believed that she would be able to bear a child and it was a shame not to be able to have children. It was far bef- before microscopes and diagnosis and proper physiological analysis and the husband is saying I don't know if it's me and the wife is saying I don't know if it's me but this is just the way it is and the prophet says this is going to happen you're going to have a child and her very first response was don't lie to me nobody's ever come along that has ever blessed us on that level Nobody has ever come along that ever talked about revival on that level before. Nobody has ever come along and expanded my dreams far beyond these four walls and this given time of my life. And he, mark it down. Let's lift our hands. You see, to the degree that you're submitted truly in spirit unlocks the accessibility to not just a protector and not just a provider but a giver of prophecy let's pray not just a protector not just week in and week out being a provider of bread, but now the prophetical. Man, I feel something. Let's pray right now. We're still in our second movement in this great scriptural symphony. But there's now a gap. This woman indeed, the Bible records, indeed gave birth. And the Bible says that and the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elijah had said unto her, according to the time of life. There's no more conversations that are recorded with the prophet. There's no more meals, no more. We don't even have it recorded that Elijah went back there. 
But the Bible says when the child was grown, now this is where biblical commentators begin to take different avenues of interpretation. One said four years, one said five years, seven, possibly even older. But he was old enough to go into the field with the reapers at the time of harvest. He was old enough to witness. He was old enough to go with them that gave Bible studies, knock doors, be involved in the fields. And now it's been years since there's any recorded dialogue or contact between the Shunammites and the man of God. And the Bible says that he went out into the field and to the best that I've been able to study out, he had a heat stroke. Because he said, my head, my head. And his father immediately said for somebody to take him to his mother. And he's brought back to the house, either on a beast of burden or carried. And there in his mother's eyes, in his mother's arms, eventually the prophecy dies. I think, it's, I think it's important to note, and I've already said it once, that there's been years of contact, that there's been no contact. There's been no conversation. I, I wouldn't want to be in a church where it went years before I had a conversation with my pastor. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, just, 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 I just, I would want my man of God to know where I'm at. Whether it's just sitting in the back row, I'm not saying you got to get up and talk to him every day and you know how it is. But I, Pastor, I'm still here, and Pastor, I'm still with you, and Pastor, I'm still behind you, and I'm still in this for revival, and I still believe my lost children are coming back, and I'm still hanging on. The woman immediately gives command, I want you to put a saddle on a beast of burden. And she went to Mount Carmel, which was the dwelling place of the prophet, the exalted. You see, what she was doing in her house was building an architectural position like his Mount Carmel. It was an exalted position. And now we're about to enter into our third movement, and I'm almost done. The prophet sees this woman, Gehazi. I want you to run down there and find out if all is well. The woman in faith, recognizing that this is the man that gave me the promise. This is the man that prophesied to me. This is the man that brought this level of blessing. And I want you to put my dead child on his bed. It's been a long time since he's been here. But I'm taking it back to the point of origin. You see, your pastor will be tied to the promise that God gives you through him for the remainder of his life. God forbid some bad attitude get on somebody. God forbid some root of bitterness take hold. God forbid some resentment. God forbid some sedition in the pew begin to affect. Don't expect God to answer your promise. But if you've been faithful and something happens that your promise, you take it right back to the man of God and say, you gave me this promise. You told me this was going to happen. You told me I'd be anointed. You told me I'd have revival. You told me I'd grow. You don't need another pastor. There is a unique, there's a unique tie here between 2 Kings 6, right here at this juncture, 2 Kings chapter number 4 and 2 Kings chapter number 6. 
because in 2 Kings chapter number 6, it's where the sons of the prophet were in a building program. And in 2 Kings chapter number 4, it was the husband and the wife that partook of a building program. And both of these were tied to the prophet. In 2 Kings chapter number 6, one of the young men is working, trying to, trying to chop down a tree. And as he's, as he's swinging back the, uh, the, the axe and pulling all of his exertion and using that cutting edge to get the job done, that axe head falls off into the water. The woman who receives the promise, her son, her promise actually dies. She goes to the man of God. Second Kings chapter 6, the man goes to the man of God and said, the axe head is gone. The man of God said, where, where did you lose it? He said, it's down there somewhere. When you go to the man of God, that's when the miracle takes place because the Bible said the iron did swim. That relationship with your man of God will bring the miracle and put it back in your hand. Elijah gives Gehazi his staff. He said, you take it to that child and lay it on him. Gehazi obeyed, and he put that staff on the child, and nothing happened. Because God was not going to bless an implement, an artificial something to do the miracle. The miracle was going to have to have contact, just like it did in the very beginning. And so finally, Elijah, he makes his way up those stairs. He closes the door. He gets and he stretches himself out over the body of that child. And he begins to pray. And life comes back into the promise. It is the man of God that will bring life, renewing, revival, regeneration, resuscitation rejuvenation into your promise. A couple months ago, I think I told Brother Prado this story when he was preaching for us a couple weeks ago which was the birthplace of this message, at least this last chapter, this last act of this symphony. Uh, in May of this year, we celebrated our 25th anniversary of pastoring in Spokane, Washington. And thank you, thank you, thank you. God is good, God is good. My pastor and my pastor's wife came up. You see, when you have true, genuine apostolic succession, you don't have a bunch of filler. You can take it all the way back to every pastor has a pastor, and that pastor has a pastor. If you try to pastor without that, God is going to withhold some things because that posture is missing. And, and the Bible tells me in Psalm 100 how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it's like the anointing oil. It first comes down headship wherever your headship is. And then it'll eventually get to you. But you've got to have your headship. There's too many out there that are picking and choosing who their headship is. And I know there's situations that... And I, I, every situation is unique. Sometimes, some situations, it just, it just necessitates that you have, to, you have to go on a journey or a quest or God will direct you a certain way. I'm not, I'm not addressing that. I'm just saying that when you have apostolic succession and they are under authority, that dynamic of Elijah to Elijah, it doesn't get weaker. It gets stronger. It gets more powerful. That's why when you have an Elijah that has proper headship, he does twice as many miracles. There is twice as much power. So my pastor and my pastor's wife came to Spokane and had a tremendous time. And on Monday, it was just kind of a, a free day for all of us, and we had purpose that we were going to get together and 
take them out to eat, just drive around and talk and have a great time. And um, I suggested, I said, well, you guys haven't seen all the buildings that we've had over 25 years. And uh, so we took them on a little tour. And I took them to the first 700-square-foot office suite that we, uh, we started our church in. They, they said, wow, that's, that's really nice. And then we went and looked at our other church. We went from 700 square feet to 3,000 square feet. That was a commercial storefront on Sprague Avenue. They saw that. They saw that was really great. We went from 700 square feet to 3,000 3, square feet to 11,000 square feet Episcopalian church that we bought. It was our first church that we bought. And uh, they saw that. And then I said, you know, um, once we got in this building, um, we bought property because we were going to build our building on the interstate. We found five acres on the interstate, and uh, we got blueprints. We got them passed by the city. Our, our building permit was $18,000 alone, which I never picked up because at the last minute I felt a check that it wasn't going to be big enough. The building wasn't going to be big enough. But we purchased the property, um, had visibility, tens of thousands of cars every single day driving by that property. It just looked like a beautiful thing to do. But we had determined to go in another direction and it, it proved to be right because we got a building that has 25,000 square feet which is the one we're currently in right now and and so we had that property we immediately put it on the market it's been on the market for over 10 years and I'm explaining to my pastor and my pastor's wife I said we've had it on the market for 10 years and I have not been able to get get it sold anything so we just took it off the market well, we were driving down this little dirt alleyway as, we, as I was explaining all this, and my pastor's wife and my pastor were sitting in the back seat, and she prayed a prayer, just a simple prayer. She said, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you sell this property for them. We took them back to the hotel, had a great time. They got on an airplane the next morning and went back to Sacramento. The next day, I got calls from three real estate agents. That's never going to change if you want the miraculous. If you want to live in, the, in a photo album that's 40 years old, you just go ahead and dismiss this. But if you want to go from faith to faith and victory to victory and promise to promise, you've got to be under the man of God and build a room for him. You may be seated. I got a call from three real estate agents. As of September 30th, we sold the property for two and a half times what we paid for. The money's in the bank. Oh, man, that's just a circumstance. No, you've been eating too much pizza. You know what? You've been getting your nose out of the book. You've been getting off your knees. You've been, you've been missing a revelation. The revelation is, after all these years, he's still my pastor. He's still my provider. He's still my prophet. God was honoring the fact he's still my prophet. Take all the time you need. Kick the tires. Listen to what comes out of his mouth. Watch his mannerisms. Watch him pray. But if you're going to spiritually succeed and go to the next level, you're going to have to build a room for the man of God. Because there's some things God will just withhold from you. You can just exist. You can just think, well, it's one foot in the world. Now you're looking for fulfillment. Now you're losing that orbit that you had before that was held together by submission. Now you're getting off orbit a little bit. Now you need other things to prop up your Christianity. Honey, when you're on orbit, you're here every service. It's expectation. It's excitement. It's glory. The other two real estate agents, you're probably wondering about them. Two of them were interested in the same piece of property. Only one of them got it. We made two and a half times our original money on it. Money's in the bank. On September 1st, while this real estate deal is almost done, on September 1st, after years, honey, sister ma'am, 
How many years ago did we go and look at that ice rink that's right across the street from our building? 20 years ago, we started praying about, about a building that's right across the street from us now that's 35,000 square feet. The owner of the building called me up on September 1st and said, is this the pastor? Yes, it is. Are you guys interested in buying our building? I don't have to worry about property. God says, I can trust this one. I don't have to worry of where the money's coming from. God said, I can trust that one. We're tapped into the ancient of days. We're tapped into something from another world. We're tapped into a principle that spoke the world into existence. Lift your hands and give the God of glory all the praise. By the authority of the name of Jesus, somebody needs to go into a construction program tonight and say, you know what, I'm going to finally make the move, and I'm going to knock a wall out, not on the same level I'm on. He's on a level above me. God put him there. Submit yourselves to him, for he's going to have to give an answer for your soul, that he may do it with joy and not with grief. Obey them that have the rule over, 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 over. And so last week, I'm on a gondola in the San Diego Zoo, and I get a text message from my architect who had just had a meeting with the city planners and had sent me an email of our first site plan. And so our site plan of our next building is 50,000 square feet. According to my architecture, our first seating arrangement will seat 1,300. And it includes the construction of a 20,000 square foot education center and a parking lot that'll have 275 cars. I went to Spokane with nothing. I went to Spokane. I'd never been there before in my life. I did not know one person, but I had a prophet. I had a provider. I had a protector. And I built a long time ago. He's going to be above me, and there is nobody else in this world like my man of God. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give him the praise and give God the glory. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, lay your hand over if it's appropriate, brother to brother and sister to sister. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Tonight, I'm going to start a construction project on my second floor. Tonight, every hand lifted, let's pray. The God of glory is here. in this house just lift your voice like a trumpet and say God this is what I need 
God, I'm building a room tonight. I'm starting a construction project. I'm going to put my little hat on tonight, and, and, and I'm going to kick out a wall, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to obey them that have the rule over me and become the recipient of protection, provision, and the prophetical. I'd like, I'd like Pastor and Sister Hood to come up here tonight. I'd like you to just turn and face this wonderful congregation. I'd like this congregation to come and gather around this couple. Tonight, Pastor Hood, it's going to another level. Thank God for your protection. Week after week, you bring something that's not just some gnarly little moldy piece of bread, but true provision. But from this point, speak the oracles of God. Let's pray for our pastor today. on getting close. Put your hand on him. If, if you're a sister in this church, get your hand on the pastor's wife and say, I want you to know this represents my strength. This represents my support. This represents my prayers. This represents my consecration. This represents submission. timeline of promise and prophecy in store for this church.
before we're dismissed from this arrangement, why don't you, if it's, if it's appropriate, lay hands shoulder to shoulder, brother to brother, sister to sister. Let's pray for one another. Let's lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us that we can run with faith and expectation. This next chapter is going to be glorious. 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 God, open up the windows of heaven and pour out your glory and your divine favor and your power. God, let the reaping angels begin to move the hungry souls to cross our path, to direct our steps. Bring them in from the north and the south and the east and the west. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, while we're in this atmosphere, somebody lift up your voice and pray for just a few more moments. Hallelujah. There are miracles that are just at the edge of this message. You just got to reach out and grab a hold of it. Come on, there's things that, there's, that you've been praying for for a long time. I'm telling you, it can happen right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we made our decisions. And we are waiting and expecting and anticipating the miraculous that will follow. Blessings and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. this atmosphere. I said, I love what I feel in this atmosphere. Hallelujah. Why didn't somebody just give God a shout of praise for what you are anticipating and expecting? Come on. You prayed about it. You cried about it. You thought about it. You've counseled about it. But why don't we just give God praise in advance because God's going to bring it to pass. God, we receive this word with all readiness of mind and spirit. Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Amen. I love the spirit that we feel in this house here tonight. Pastor Mayo to me, Bishop Mayo to all of you, I want to say thank you for that word. It was revelatory and it was timely. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for the man of God. Hallelujah. Amen. If I heard my pastor correctly, there is a, a, an exponential portion that flows down. I receive it. If they're building a 1,300-seat auditorium with it, you just got to get on board and buy into the vision. Come on. I'm telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes. God do it there, and I believe with all my heart he's going to do it here. He's going to do it in Reno, in Sparks, in Gardnerville, in Fallon, in Dayton. Somebody shout. You come too late to tell me that God can do it. I've seen it, and I'm going to see it again. Somebody praise him. Somebody shout, we're next. We're next. Oh, somebody shout it. We're next. We believe it. Hallelujah. I am excited and I am thrilled and I am looking forward to all that God is going to continue to do in Jesus' name. And I'm excited to be there doing it with everybody here. Hallelujah. Now we want to let you know about, amen, after the altar call is all done now, the next most important thing, everybody say food. Hallelujah. We've been teaching on fellowship for a while and we have... Uh, we have all grown and expanded our territory. Hallelujah. We believe in that food and fellowship. Uh, we are going to go when we're done shaking hands and fellowship in here. We're going to take the fellowship down to the Veterans Hall. That is on Curry Street, and it is right across the street from the Capitol. And you're going to go down the street one moment. If you need help finding it, please see myself or Brother Diaz. Wave your hand. Hallelujah. There's our, our, our very own chaplain. Amen. You see him. He'll get you directions. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. We got food and fellowship over there when we get over there. Hallelujah. <laughs>